This is the Cultural Quarter of an Hour podcast and I'm Charlotte Foster. Every week we'll be looking at the culture all around Stoke-on-Trent and North Staffordshire. Some weeks I'll be visiting events, others I'll be hearing the stories of the people who make this area what it is. Now, when you think of culture, you might just think of dusty museums, art galleries full of paintings or people in ball gowns playing violins. But actually, it's so much more than that. It's all around us. Hello, welcome to this week's podcast. Now, when I first started this podcast up back in July, it was really important to me that it wasn't just a podcast about different events that were going on or buildings or pictures. I wanted it to be a podcast about the people that make up this city because to me you can't have culture without community and it's the members of this city that make up well the culture of Stoke-on-Trent. So this week you're going to hear a really special story from a really special woman. My name is uh, Aida Horton. How did you end up in Stoke-on-Trent? By marrying a uh, soldier who actually comes from Stoke-on-Trent. And I moved here about uh, six and a half years ago. What do you make of the area? I love it, actually. Uh, uh, It's a funny thing because a lot of my friends from uh, elsewhere in the the UK keep asking me, why Stoke? Everybody's so puzzled. Um, But, uh, well, obviously because he comes from here and he had a house here, which he never lived into for about 10 years. So I thought it's about time to make that a home. Um, and people are so friendly. Like, I was amazed by bus drivers. Like, they'll say 100 million times, good morning, thank you, ta, how, you know, how are you and all this. Um, I think people are very, very friendly. It's very green as well. I was amazed how green, how many parks Stoke has. And then just yeah, just in general, people, I would say, definitely. So for people listening, they're desperately trying to place your accent. Put them out of their misery, please. <laughs> Yes, I'm Bosnian. Uh, I didn't come here um, because of the war, um, uh, thank God. I came well after the war, um, but it still ha- plays a big role in my life, and uh, I just try to educate people about it. How big a role does it play in your life? What what role does it play? Well, obviously, I, I've been I've been a teenager when war started. Um, I didn't have a prom, uh, unfortunately, because that was my in my last year. Um, when the war broke out so then obviously I lost a lot of friends um, who got killed or got injured in the wartime I was deprived of my um, best years of my life um, because uh, I was under siege for three years um, I was starved shelled at shot at um, scared uh, for, for, for most of those uh, three years um, still have nightmares um, we still talk about it. Uh, every conversation, every party you have with somebody back home, uh, any event on the end, you'll end up talking about it, about friends you miss, about some funny anecdote, about some hardship. And yeah, it's still very much present. Obviously, I'm asking you about it. Is it hard to talk about it? To me, it's not. Um, because I guess... After some time, you just try to find the kind of anecdotes and, and funny things about it, even though there was so hard things happening all the time. Uh, for me, it's, well, it's, not, it's not hard because I want people to know. Um, because if they don't know, then 
we just facing the possibility of that happening to anybody anywhere and actually it is even though we are talking about it so that means we have to talk even more so no no not for me maybe I'm boring some, some people but I think the, the, there's some experiences that I went through that are still applicable today you know how to get yourself entertained with no electricity you know how to to do make a soap out of nothing and you know things like that so I think some some of the people still find that interesting and how does it affect you today how do you bring it into your everyday life or, or do you try and shut it away um no I I um I've been fortunate enough to work for the YMCA um, and um, every now and then someone from work will ask me about it or, or, or just trigger something, some memory or, or, or some question. And then about three years ago, um, Danny Flim, the, the CEO, has uh, decided to help me organize a, um, a memorial here at the YMCA. And uh, the year later, we actually had a... Um, a delegation from here and Staffordshire Uni visiting Bosnia um, and then the year after that we built a memorial which is amazing so um, so it's well uh, part of my life now um, to, to talk about the war and the casualties and consequences and but also nice things they, they were not just bad things they were just amazing things that were happening amazing friendships and experiences as well and when you're telling people who've grown up in Stoke-on-Trent what it was like, what kind of reaction do you get from them? Well, at first they don't believe, because uh, um, I, I work with young people, but most of them they have no clue who I was. And they just see me as a lady in, in the corner office. Um, and every now and then they have to come and see me for for, for some, some of the, the issues um, with their circumstances. Um and they obviously hear my accent and they say, oh, what's that from? Are you Polish? <laughs> That's the first reaction. I said, no, I'm Bosnian. Oh, Bosnian. And then some of them will not even know what, where Bosnia is. So obviously I educate them. This is from Yugoslavia, blah, 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 and all this. So I think it's quite educational in any way you take it. Um, and then like, oh, okay, they're quite puzzled. And then somebody will always, oh, yeah, yeah she's been through a war. And I'm like, war? What? what do you mean? And just actually a couple months ago, it was quite amazing that one of the... Um, Young people has come to my door and knocked on on the office, and and he's one of one of the like, the like naughty boys, you know. So I would never expect him actually to come and approach me about it. But he says, "Oh, you have like five minutes." I'm like, "Oh, what did you do now?" You know. Uh, I said, "Okay, yeah." Uh, so what is it? And he goes like, "Well, we have a representative of Red Cross, British Red Cross here, and he's telling us about their, their expeditions and their 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 um." their work but I told him that we have a lady who was through war so I would like you to like come come in there and tell him something about it I said oh okay oh I'm honored that you actually thought of me you know so I came down here actually it was the same this room uh, so I came here and I think the guy didn't expect that at all like because he knew oh there was a lady from like you know war but he didn't expect so he let me actually kind of take over his session. He said, "Oh, I was going to do a, like a, um, a bit of like a like a work or something, but oh no, hearing her stories is much much better." So and then they asked me questions. It was amazing how how many questions they asked me, and I think I could have stayed there for much longer, but obviously I had to go and do some of my work because it was unplanned. And I said, "I hope I didn't bore you," but no, that they, they really uh, once they learn where I come from and what I've been through, they they just thirst for knowledge that must really encourage you yes very much so so when I saw that I, I, I would just feel very bad not to like uh, meet that 
you know, demand. Um, and I think they can they can definitely benefit because sometimes, I mean, we all wrapped up in our own problems and situations, but sometimes you just need to think, actually, my problem is actually not the problem at all. I'm healthy. I'm alive. My family is alive and healthy around me. I have friends. I have home. Yay. You know, life is good. So I want them to see that, that that is the, what's important. You've taken youngsters from here over to, to Bosnia. What was that like for you? It was quite a real experience because I took them to um, to a town called Srebrenica um, that had um, over 8,000 men and boys killed over two, three days. Um, and I always wanted to go and pay my respect, but somehow I never did. And then for me to go from England to there was like so surreal. It's unbelievable. And also, I've seen all the, the most of the mothers on television from from back home and, and memorials and and all this. But for me to actually stand there in this massive graveyard with over six and a half thousand graves um, at that time, I just broke down. That was the moment because I was so busy organizing everything. I didn't have the time to actually think about it. And I went there, and funny enough, the rain started to to fall, uh, and I just looked there. I said a prayer. And I just like, how could somebody do this? Just a sea of white gravestones. And I just broke down. I was just started to like, to like sob. Um, and one of the girls, actually, a young, uh, young, young woman from from here, she saw me and she approached me and she was crying as well. So both of us were just hugging each other and just crying our hearts out. And she kept asking why, why? Like she she was twenty one at that time and she really wanted to know why. But how do you explain that? You know, it's very, very difficult because even I don't know why. So I can't explain her why. Um, but I said, well, it's war. It's very difficult, you know, but she wants straight answer. I guess in Britain, that's it. You ask a question, you get an answer or Google it. That's it. It's solved. But obviously war and in a situation like that, it's impossible to describe. So um, uh, I've tried, obviously, and there's bits and bobs. And, and we, we talked a lot about it before and after, but she's far from understanding uh, but I'm, I'm happy she's trying and that's that's actually the, the, the aim because if you try then you don't give up Did you notice a change in the youngsters that you took over? Yes well actually even as we were there they love everything they're like oh because first of all most of them not most of them yeah the, the young people from, from YMCA they never went anywhere so this is actually we, we pay for their passport even you know so they never ever left the country so they were just like like little girls like oh I want to say that this is like a, ooh this little paper this is like a receipt oh this is so cute oh. so they're literally bought a lot of junk basically you know um, memorabilia obviously you know that, that is so, so dear to them um, but that was that was also amazing sense for me that I'm able to like bring these young people that never will, maybe never will, will travel again you know so far abroad um so they've seen the experience the the, the the flights one of them was terrified of flights for instance like she saw when her grandfather all she was seeing was um all those uh, plane accidents you know and then all them the, the tv show that, that explained why what happened so she was like you know like i know million reasons why this plane could go down and i said oh my god chloe i said you cannot think like that so you know what i mean there was so many different things along the way and they actually had broken relationships with with most of the, the, the families and two of the girls said as we were there like after two days they said oh my god after all that what we we have experienced we have we have gone back to our to our parents and and our, our families and we are back in like talking to them and 
you know what I mean? They have realized how important the family is and then once they're gone, they're gone. So that was a quite success for me. You must feel very proud about how something like that can come from what was one of the most terrible experiences for yourself yes yes exactly and that's why I don't feel bad about talking about it because when I see all these things and even if it changes like two three lives for me that that's a massive massive um, uh, success but I think it actually touched more than just you know a few lives because just on the last memorial I was I was like really overwhelmed um, there was a quite quite few people that came came about maybe 200 people um, some some were here for actually three years in a row there's one actually friend who comes like th- she takes a day off from her work to come for a memorial and I'm so honored um, but there was one ex-soldier actually um, who who gave me a ring as I was like trying to cook Bosnian food and, and, and serve it and all this. And there was a phone call and, and he heard me actually on the radio um, uh, and he he said, I, I was a soldier in Bosnia um, in 92 and I wanted to, to meet you and then just, you know, talk to you. I'm like, oh, that's, that's amazing. I said, of course, yeah, I can come over for like this memorial. He says, unfortunately, I'm working, but can I meet you like at some other point? So yeah, just come back afterwards and... And, 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 and we'll talk. So he came after his work with his wife. And I was quite surprised because he never mentioned his wife. I'm like, okay, that's a bit strange. But anyway, uh, the first thing he said to me was, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, what are you sorry for? I don't even know you. It was just so, uh, I was shocked. What is he on about? And he says, uh, I'm so sorry. I could not help you more. I've seen such terrible things. And our hands were tied because I was part of the UN. And he said, it's not just me, all my mates were sorry. And he started to cry. I'm like, oh my God, like I've worked with you at United Nations and during the wartime as a translator. And I've seen a lot of things and I've seen how incapable of reacting UN was. Um, and I've seen some situations of my own. But for actually one of the foreign soldiers to come and admit that to my face so many years afterwards and to see that he actually means it was was absolutely uh, out of this world experience. Um, I was so humbled that he chose me to say that. And I felt like I need to spread the word and I need to say this. So I asked him, I said, because he, he really touched me, shocked me. Yeah, I, I, I started him to say, okay, yeah, I've tried this food, that food. I, I've been to this place or that place. Okay, yes, I've seen uh, devastation and all this. But and I didn't expect such a personal um, revelation, you know. And we're friends now. We're friends. And they came over to my place and I made him some Bosnian coffee. Because, oh my God, Bosnian coffee. I love this and all that. So, yeah, some Bosnian food as well. He was just, he just went back in time. But that, but actually he, he suffered a lot. He suffered a lot. And, and I'm thinking, so now my mission is to help him as well, as well as to myself. Um, so I spread the word back home and I said, because he would like to go back with his wife and then show her how things were and I could, say, I could see that she was very supportive of him as well um, um, and he wants to go back and hopefully find some of the people he, he worked with and, and met and see if they were okay now um, so that's my mission now to help him Do you feel like it was or it, it's become almost a forgotten war especially over here? Um not so much, thanks to this charity called Remembering Srebrenica, who are doing an amazing job, absolutely amazing. Um, 
they're based in Birmingham, uh, but they actually cover the whole of the UK. And this year they had 544, I think, uh, events, uh, social events throughout the, the UK, um, trying to, to remember uh, Srebrenica and the war in Bosnia and all the, the consequences and, and how easily things can escalate uh, and go terribly, terribly wrong, even though it's like one country... Um, same language, same race, if you like, you know what I mean? Uh, same language and everything and background and friends and then family and, and everything. Um, so thanks to them, I don't think it is. Um, but I would say is the consequences of, the, of every war are because the wars are happening right now. And still, why? It's, 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 it's and then, you know, like, even the leaders, like of America and, and now like Korea and stuff, like, what are you doing? Don't you see? It's so easy to spark up a war. And why? People don't need bad stuff. And there's like an, an, enough of natural disaster happening throughout the world, let alone like hunger and everything else. Um, we don't need any more war. We just need to do amazing stuff because people are amazing and they can do so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to uh, Ida's story. I thought it was just absolutely fascinating. And, you know, this is someone who is living and working in our city, trying to help people in our city, despite everything that she's gone through as well. Love to know what you think about this week's podcast. Give me a shout on Facebook. It's at Cultural Quarter of an Hour Podcast. And on Twitter, it is at CQH Pod. And of course, don't forget, come back next week for another podcast.